Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. I am Casey Light. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. It is Friday, March 2nd. It's a special Friday edition because we wanted to celebrate the birthday of not only my wife, whose age I will not relate today. Uh, she would kill me if I did that. Uh, but it is also the birthday of Dr. Seuss. So happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Michelle, and to Dr. Seuss. It is Friday, March 2nd. And so we're going to do a little Dr. Seuss-themed podcast today. I am joined right now by David Johnson, a longtime producer here at Mile High Sports. But the really cool thing about David is that he's going to be debuting his brand new show, Sports Destiny Radio, this Saturday. David, welcome to the Blake's to regulars podcast. Thanks for having me, Casey. Good to be here. Yep. Now, before we dive into our Dr. Seuss-themed Rockies podcast for the day, tell us just a little bit about what we can expect on Sports Destiny Radio. When can we hear it? What's it going to be? Ta- what are you guys going to be talking about? All the fun that's uh, in store for Sports Destiny Radio. Well, it's on every Saturday, 1 to 3 p.m., Mile High Sports Radio. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking mostly about the college basketball scandal going on. Me and Jake Meyer, he's my co-host, we have a segment called Jake's Snake Pit and David's Dog Pound. (laughs) I like it. And what we do, we're tossing players into the dog pound, into the snake pit that screwed up really bad, and little sneak peek, Fergie's going in both the Uh, snake pit and the dog pound. Oh man, well imagine, uh, not to get too off the baseball topic, but I imagine J.R. Smith's going to be in that that conversation as well. He's been discussed. For for his latest soup incident. Well, uh, a group of guys who are not in the dog pound or in the snake pit uh, are the Colorado Rockies. High, high expectations heading into the 2018 season. Uh, Before we dive into that Rockies talk, though, we do want to remind you and say a big thank you to Tap 14. The presenting sponsor of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast at 1920 Blake Street, just one half block from Coors Field with 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, amazing American Alpine fare that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally. It is going to be an absolutely beautiful day in Denver, Colorado, so I encourage everyone out there to get out and visit the terrific rooftop that has amazing views. Uh, It's Friday, people. It's Dr. Seuss's birthday. Get out there to Tap 14 and have a little bit of fun. So my, my concept on this Dr. Seuss theme is we're going to go thing one, thing two with the Rockies, right? So thing number one is what's the number one acquisition the Rockies could make to really bolster this roster and help them meet those expectations that they have for 2018. We know they're coming off an 87 win season. We know they made it to the playoffs last year, that one game wild card with the Arizona Diamondbacks, a wild roller coaster of a game. I've talked at length uh, about the the very interesting dynamic with the with the Rockies roster on this podcast, and there are so many moving parts. So much of it, in my opinion, really depends on what the long term plan is for Nolan Arenado, DJ LeMayhew, and Charlie Blackman. Which is why my thing one, my one acquisition that the Rockies could make this year, is not a position player. There's been a lot of talk about do they bring Mark Reynolds back? Do they bring Carlos Gonzalez back? Uh, I think the Rockies are stacked, and we'll talk about that when we get over to thing two, uh, because that has to do more with the lineup. I think the number one thing the Rockies can do to really bolster the expectations for 2018 is to add a starting pitcher. We saw last year, obviously, even in that wild card game, John Gray struggled mightily. 1.1 innings pitched, uh, could not get himself out of the second inning. To me, the Achilles heel on this team, if there is going to be one, is starting pitching. Rockies have seven 
guys who will be competing for the rotation. We, we assume that Gray is going to be the number one if he stays healthy. Uh, we expect Chad Bettis to be in that rotation, probably in a three or a four spot. We don't know who's going to be the number two. On the depth chart right now, it's Tyler Anderson, but that assumes that he's coming back healthy and strong. Uh, that means you've got guys like Kyle Freeland who could be in competition. I think Freeland's probably the leader among the, the remaining guys. And then obviously you've got Herman Marquez, last year's wins leader along with Freeland. All of a sudden, there's your five starters. But I really feel like there's so many question marks with those that the Rockies' one acquisition they could make is a bona fide, legitimate, established starter. And so that's where I want to take this, David. I want to look at which starter is still on the market that they could realistically add. But before we dive into those guys, I just want to get your take of those pitchers that I named. We know that Gray and Bettis are going to be in the rotation without question. Uh, we're, we're very confident that Marquez is going to be there. Do you have confidence in Tyler Anderson being able to bounce back from what was a very rocky start to the year, but a solid end to 2017? I think with Tyler Anderson with me is like you said, he struggled more towards the end of last year. I mean, the Rockies pitching staff was so young, and the interesting thing about this year is going to be I look at a lot of things in the second year because after all these pitchers go through lineups one, two, three, four times throughout a season, second year is when they start getting figured out. To me, I'm really not confident in Anderson. I, th I think the Rockies need to bring somebody else in. I just don't see it with him. Yeah, and I like Tyler Anderson. Um, folks who've been following me for a while know that I was very, very high on him in 2016. Uh, obviously, he was one of the few Rockies who had even a sub-4 ERA. Uh, you know, like you said, that sometimes that second-year guys start to figure you out. Obviously, we know that the knee was an issue with Tyler Anderson last yep. year, had that arthroscopic surgery. Uh, you're right to a degree. He, you know, he, he was very, very strong in certain situations down the stretch, but also he did have some struggles there very, very late. Uh, so Tyler Anderson, I, I really am excited to see how he bounces back because I have high hopes for Tyler Anderson. Uh, but that being said, I'm not willing to put 100% stock in him. Chad Bettis, big question with Chad Bettis is, first and foremost, is he going to be at 100% coming off of his rough year last year in fighting cancer? We saw great things out of Chad Bettis when he came back. We also saw some really rough outings out of Chad Bettis. Um, the, the bigger question for me when you look large picture with Chad Bettis isn't just simply his health in terms of how will he be a year removed from, from a very aggressive cancer treatment, but was the year that we saw from Chad Bettis in 2016, where he was very, very strong, Led the lead, or led the team, I should say, in innings pitched, strikeouts, and wins. Is there a situation where maybe that was an exception, and we got one really good year out of Chad Bettis, and 2018 we might see more of what we saw from Chad Bettis in the prior years? How do you feel about Chad Bettis as he heads into what is a year where he's expected to take a next step forward and really be a consistent starter for the Rockies? I think Chad Bettis has what it takes to be a legitimate starter for the Rockies. Coming off of a serious cancer battle that he had, and congratulations for beating it, first of all. Um, Chad Bettis, I think, just with a couple extra reps, I think in this next year you're going to see you're going to see a step forward with Chad Bettis. I think he's going to be. I would have confidence in him going forward. I, I think so too. I like Chad. I like his mental makeup. I think he's a, a, a mentally tough guy, and obviously, you know, going through the cancer treatment certainly helped reinforce that. Oh, yeah, um, he's got sure. a, a very, uh, a very strong, positive outlook on life. But the reality is, uh, with any starting rotation, you are not going to have five guys that all give you 32 starts. It's just not going to happen that way. Uh, it's Major League Baseball. Bud Black has said that he really needs to have. He, he feels like he needs eight Major League ready arms. So it begs the question: Is a guy like uh, Jeff Hoff? Truly at that level yet. Um, he was the 
young rookie that came in with the most amount of Major League experience out of those four that were so prominent in the Rockies rotation through the middle part of last year, and yet he sort of underperformed in that. Antonio Sensatella, obviously vastly exceeded expectations in the early part of the season, and then obviously the the stamina piece caught up with him um, a guy who had only thrown 34 innings the year prior obviously we saw how that affected him down the stretch so I expect Hoffman and Senzatella more than likely to start the year at AAA uh, we could see them in the bullpen potentially but uh, what would definitely push them there is adding an established starter and so I want to throw a few names out there guys who are still available on the free agent market uh, and kind of pick your brain David as to which of these you might like to see the Rockies go out uh, and and make a make a push for now again Again, we're, we're assuming that Jeff Breidich still has some money in the bank to spend. <laughs> uh, we don't know that that's necessarily the case. Uh, the Rockies obviously were very aggressive this offseason in spending, but uh, there's still, I think, a little bit of money to play with there if they're willing to, especially in a year where so much is on the line with it being DJ's last year in free agency, or uh, uh, sorry, last year ahead of free agency, with it being Charlie's last year ahead of free agency, Nolan only having two more years on that same clock. This is a very important year. So uh, the first name, obviously, when you think about starting pitchers still on the market, Jake Arietta. Everybody knows Jake is still out there. Um, he's working in sort of the uh, the uh, island of misfit, uh, or should we say un- uh, unsigned uh, starters uh, down there in Florida and Bradenton. He's... Jake Arrieta obviously would be the golden goose. Everybody would love to have Jake Arrieta, but uh, he's a guy who also made $15 million last year, made $10 million in 2016, and is looking at a multi-year deal. Obviously a former Cy Young winner. He wants a long-term deal. Um, He was a silver slugger as a pitcher. So, uh, you know, he's obviously the the cream of the crop. I don't see any kind of realistic situation in which the Rockies are going to pony up, A, the per-season dough, or the type of long-term deal that Jake Arrieta wants, but we could hope, right? I guess you (laughs) You can hope. And the thing with Arietta, the thing you said, you don't see the Rockies opening up the checkbook that much for Arietta. Did many people see them opening up $100 million for their bullpen and for their closer, a guy like Wade Davis coming in? I honestly, I think Jake Arietta could end up as a Rocky because I think Arietta is, he, he's looking around. Arietta's a guy that likes winning. Very he played true. for the Cubs. Very, very he likes true. to win. He's not going to go to a situation. He's not going to go to the Marlins. They're not going to win anytime soon. He's going to go to a team that within the next couple of years has a chance to win. And if I'm Jake Arrieta, the last guy I want to pitch to is Nolan Arenado. And if he's on my team, I don't have to pitch to him anymore. Well, let's talk about a couple of other guys that are still out there. And, and, and let's talk about guys who like winning and have been around winning because I think they're important to talk about. Guys who are available uh, as it stands right now on Dr. Seuss's birthday. Uh A guy by the name of John Lackey is still out there. Uh, John Lackey has been out there for a long, long time in Major League terms. Uh, He is 39 years old. Uh, If the Rockies were to acquire John Lackey and keep him on the roster through the postseason, he would be push. He would uh, actually eclipse uh, the the 40 day mark, depending on if how deep they go or 40 year mark, depending on how deep they go. Uh, Lackey will turn 40 on October 23rd this year. Uh, Obviously, he's a a a long standing Major Leaguer. uh, Has logged over 2,000. 800 innings in his career but he's been pretty durable these last few years in fact he has uh, 29 plus starts in each of his last three years uh this so there's some durability there uh his years with the uh obviously his his strength uh and his strong years uh with the boston red sox uh his his short stint there uh but then obviously he had some success uh 
previously with them, and then with the St. Louis Cardinals, and then uh, last last two years with the Cubs. So he's been pretty good. The thing that has concerned me about John Lackey is that over the last three years, you've seen his ERA consistently climb. Uh, he was at 277 in 2015 in St. Louis, uh, where he had a career high 33 games started. Uh, that tied a career high, but he's been a 33 game starter for most of his career. Um, 277 ERA, really solid uh, in that with a 13 and 10. The win loss wasn't great, uh, 13 and 10 record. Uh, a little bit improved, at least in terms of a winning percentage, in 2016 when he made 29 starts for the Cardinal, uh, for the Cubs, excuse me, uh, but saw that ERA climb to 335. Then in 2017, he made 30 starts for the Cubs, but we saw that ERA climb to 459. So John Lackey, a guy obviously with a ton of postseason uh, experience. If you look, he's actually made 23 postseason starts, which is actually more than a number of the Rockies starters have made major league starts. <laughs> so I like that postseason experience there. Uh, he's pitched in the postseason with Anaheim, with uh, with uh, Boston, with St. Louis, and with the Cubs. He's basically pitched in the postseason everywhere he's gone. Uh, I like that idea, and I like the fact that they have so many other young arms. Maybe you don't have to start him 30 starts, uh, but but definitely some, some interesting things to look at with John Lackey uh, as a veteran guy who might be able to uh, to come over at a, at a somewhat reasonable price. Uh, John Lackey last year he made 16 million dollars. I don't. I think the thing with John Lackey is you can probably get him on a one-year deal, and that's interesting to me. Uh, thoughts on John Lackey? Thing I noticed with John Lackey, just looking at his numbers for most of his career, he's had double-digit losses, and to me, it's all about winning. And if you're losing almost as many games as you're winning, and at age 39, I, I would not be for having John Lackey become a Colorado Rocky. Yeah, 12 and 12 last year with the Cubs. Uh, so I mean from a from a win-loss standpoint, not, you know, not anything really to write home about. Double-digit wins you'll take. Uh, those 12 losses in those 30 starts, though, n- nothing great. Uh, another big concern for me with Lackey is the steep decline in innings pitch. We talked about how many starts he's made. Yeah, he's been durable, uh, but he dropped down to 170 innings pitched last year in his age 38 season. So uh, that's a s- steep decline of the 218 that he had two years prior. So that, to me, is kind of the concern. Again, what I like about the possibility with Lackey, if you can get him at a reasonable price, and, and obviously six $16 million is not a reasonable price for what the Rockies are looking to do. Uh, but a guy like that, you know, could you get him on a one-year deal? Could you get him to drop that down to nine and a half, ten? Maybe. And then you don't have to you maybe don't have to start him necessarily 30 games. Uh, you know, could you ease him off that? Because you know you have guys like Anderson, you know you have Freeland and Senzatella, and, and kind of spread out that those bottom two spots in the rotation a little bit uh, a little bit more widely amongst those uh, those three uh, starters. I, I like that idea. The the next uh, group, I'll say, of, of pitchers that I want to talk about are all guys who sort of, to me, have a lot of similarities. They're all right-handers. Uh, they're all aged 30 or 31 years old. Uh, the first one being Lance Lynn. Uh, obviously, Lance Lynn is a name that I think a lot of folks are familiar with just simply because uh, he's had a lot of postseason experience, and, and I think that's where you know folks really establish themselves on the on the baseball scene. When we talked about John Lackey, uh, you know the numbers don't jump off the page with you for John Lackey, but the postseason experience is something that could be really invaluable for this roster. Not to mention the years and years of experience, and I think that's one thing uh, that that you like about a guy like Lance Lynn is that he has. 24 postseason games worth of experience. He started seven of those, uh, 52 innings pitched in the postseason. 
uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, including a couple of World Series appearances. Uh, the thing that, that I, I think is tricky with Lance Lynn is that he wants a multi-year deal. Uh, he's made over $7 million for the last three years. Uh, he did miss all of 2016 um, with some injury. But the, the issue for me with Lance Lynn is that he's not going to be a guy that's going to come on a one-year deal like you might be able to get for John Lackey because... He's, like I said, at 30 years old, he'll be turning 31 uh, in, in the not-too-distant future. He's looking for a three- or four-year type of a deal. The Rockies have so much confidence in these young starters coming up. Can they really commit to a guy long-term like Lance Lynn? Eh, Lance Lynn's another guy. He, he, he's kind of... He's just kind of there to me. He's not, he, like you said, he, he doesn't, nothing jumps off the page when you think Lance Lynn. Well, you, to, to use your point about John Lackey and, and those numbers, same thing. You're seeing double-digit wins, but you're also seeing double-digit losses from Lance Lynn uh, in most of his, his uh, recent seasons, although he did not do that in 2017. He was 11-8 and eight in 2017. Uh, a pretty solid 343 ERA. That was up a little bit uh, from his 2015 season where he was 12-11 and 11 with a 303 ERA. Really shined in those two years back-to-back, 13-14. and 14. Uh, And then obviously the All-Star season that he had in 2012 where he won 18 games. Uh, but, you know, Lance Lynn, a guy with a career 338 ERA. Um, you wonder how much of that is a product of being in St. Louis with such a stacked roster at that time. But I think there's a lot of similarities in the St. Louis Cardinals roster that he played with from 2011 through 2017, as you see with this Rockies as they're currently constructed. So I could see some some potential there in Lance Lynn. Another couple of guys who are going to be looking for longer term deals, but maybe come with a little bit, uh, maybe come in a little bit uh, different price tag uh, is... And, and, and on opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard is Jeremy Hellickson, who is a really interesting uh, character because he made a ton of money last year. He made $17 million with the Phillies and Baltimore. Just a, a, an absurd number for a guy that you might be saying, who, who is Jeremy Hellickson? Uh, but at 31 years old, he's, got, he's logged 30-plus starts in each of his last two years, uh, and he had 27 starts in 2015, so a relatively durable guy. Uh, he's got a career whip that's very, very comparable to Lance Lynn. Um, he had a kind of a rocky year last year um, in terms of, of what he did with Philadelphia and Baltimore. Uh, with the Phillies, he went 6-5. and five. With the Orioles, he went 2-6. and six. Uh, A combined ERA for the year of 543, over 164 innings pitched. Definitely didn't live up to the expectations of that big con, uh, that big payday that he received. Uh, but he, he's an interesting guy to me because uh, he, there's. I, I think you could go out and, and maybe you know knock him down a peg and, and get him back under that ten million dollar number and, and potentially get a guy who I think has some some real solid upside. Um, and and you might be able to lock him in a little bit. The other one that that really is intriguing to me and is probably going to be looking more for a, a big jump in pay is Alex Cobb. And I think Alex Cobb is the most interesting one uh, out of this bunch for me. Uh, has spent his entire career with the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, a little bit like Lance Lynn, had an injury, uh, something to kind of keep an eye on. But that was two years ago, um, I guess two and a half years ago, really. Uh, he missed a, a significant amount of time. He missed all of 2015, missed a significant amount of time in 2016, but bounced back to have a pretty decent year for the Rays in 2017 with a 366 ERA, 12-10 and 10, uh, record there, over 179 
uh, innings pitched for the Rays last year. Obviously, we know what's going on with that Rays roster. They're just kind of blowing that thing up. Um, Alex Cobb made only $4.2 million last year. So um, I, I think he's somebody that you could potentially maybe bring in if you gave him a little bit of a pay bump. Uh, to me, those are two very, very similar type of pitchers, a guy like Cobb and Hellickson, uh, one of which I think you could get at a steal. The other one you'd have to probably work f- uh, a little bit to get him to take that decrease given what he was paid last year. Either of those names jump out at you. Do you like anything about either of those two guys? The guy out of those two that I would go after would be Alex Cobb because you said he's only making four point he only made four point two million dollars last year. He's gonna want a little bit of a bump, but he's not gonna come out and say I want fifteen million. You might be able to get him for eight or nine. Yeah, max. Yeah, I think the issue with both Lynn and Cobb, Lance Lynn, we talked about earlier, and and Alex Cobb is that there's a little bit of that injury history that the Rockies can roll the dice on and, and kind of play, uh, you know, like they did with Greg Holland and say, hey, let's come in on a team friendly deal uh, because of that injury history. Yet at the same time, we still want to pay you what you deserve for what you've accomplished so far. Um, We'll see. I'm not sure on either one of those guys. The last one I want to throw out, though, is a little blast from the past. He's out there. He's really struggled of late. Uh, But could you foresee an Ubaldo Jimenez return to the Colorado Rockies? Let me just preface that with some of the numbers that we've seen from Ubaldo uh, as he has aged there in the American League. We'll take a step back and look at what he did in his all-star season in 2010 when he won 19 games for the Rockies uh, was third in the Cy Young voting Uh, obviously a huge year for him was a big part of that 2009 club that went to the playoffs and then built on that with a solid 2010 season then in 2011 Moved over to Cleveland. Uh, the you know he was really struggling to start that season, and to be honest, has not really improved. Uh, his go through the American League has been rocky, especially his last three years. Uh, twelve and ten with the Orioles in 2015, eight and twelve in 2016, and just six and eleven in 2017. Perhaps more concerning. 4.11 ERA, 5.44 ERA, and then last year uh, an abysmal. 6.81 ERA over 142.2 innings pitched. Uh, he's 34 years old. Does Ubaldo Jimenez have anything left in the tank? Would the Rockies be be just out of their minds to try and revive some of that 2010 magic that they used to have with Ubaldo Jimenez? I would definitely say they would be out of their mind if they <laughs> tried to do that. One thing I noticed about Ubaldo when I when he was here, he just throws the he throws the ball really really fast. I mean. One thing I noticed with his form, you can tell when the fastball was coming, and once hitters learned that, they ate him alive. Is You can look at his numbers. He gave up 33 home runs last year. That's not anything to pay $8, 9 $10 million. I mean, if you can bring him back for $3, 4000000 million, maybe you consider it, but even at that price, I still wouldn't. Yeah, last year saw his whip rise to a 1.591, and his home runs per nine were a career-high 2.1 so given up an average of two plus taters every nine innings he was on the mound not not great numbers i, I would agree i think ubaldo's probably <laughs> i think that ship has probably sailed but rockies fans as we try and rekindle the magic of the old days uh, and, and get back to uh seeing the postseason happen uh with some recurrence here in the rockies in the Rocky Mountain region like we saw in 2007 and then again in 2009. Uh, it made it's me been ho- since 2010. Right. That seems like forever ago. I know, I know. Hard to believe uh, that Ubaldo's uh, you know, glory days were that many years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I think of that bunch, 
Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb both intrigue me. The Phillies have, have been rumored to like both of those guys. Uh, if you're either one of those two, you have to think that the Rockies, if they come to the table with a competitive offer, would be uh, a much more uh, desirable situation. Uh, but again, all of this comes down to whether or not the Rockies are going to spend some money uh, Again, this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. I am joined this week uh, by David Johnson, who is debuting a brand new show on Mile High Sports Radio, AM 1340, FM 1047, Sports Destiny Radio on Saturday. You can catch that from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Mile High Sports. Really looking forward to hearing that, David. Been a long time coming for you and Jake to get on the air with us, so really excited for that. Want to remind everybody again that the Blake Street Irregulars podcast is presented by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake street just a half block from coors field we will be there throughout the course of the season so make sure to check us out while we were th- while we are there as i mentioned at the top of the podcast it is dr seuss's birthday so we're going to move on to thing two in our talk topics for the day and that is who's number four uh, and that's a funny thing because we're throwing all these numbers out there. But Bud Black has more or less uh, confirmed that his opening day roster will consist of 12 position players and 13 pitchers. So you've got your eight uh, starters in the field. We need to figure out who the other four, their bench guys, are going to be. Uh, it's fairly clear cut in numbers one and two, three and four at this point, uh, early on in the spring in the spring training uh, portion of our baseball season, is still a little unclear. And, and Number four to me is really the biggest question mark through all of this. Uh, we know that the number one guy on the bench is going to be Pat Vileka, uh, a huge pinch hitting stud last year, had some really big at bats, very versatile guy for the Rockies, primarily an infielder, but when pressed can play the outfield. We know the other guy on the bench is going to be Tony Walters, uh, assuming that he stays healthy and everything is looking good for Tony Walters. He will be the backup catcher behind Chris Iannetta. He was a converted middle infielder who can who now plays catcher. So some versatility there. We saw Walters go out and play uh, a few innings in the field last year. Can also play uh, outfield if you get into one of those crazy 18, 19 inning <laughs> games. Uh, very versatile guy there. The third spot, obviously, you need an outfielder. Uh, and we're, we're going to assume through all of this that Ryan McMahon continues to hold down that first base job, as it seems like so far through the first week of preseason, he has been able to do. You need a fourth outfielder if you're going to go with Ian Desmond in left, Charlie Blackman in right, and Gerardo Parra, or sorry, Charlie Blackman in center, and Gerardo Parra in right. Uh, that leaves that third spot between David Dahl and Rymel Tapia. In the early going, Tapia has been the clear winner in Cactus League play, uh, having a really strong start to his spring. Looking very, very strong. Uh, David Dahl, the complete opposite. David Dahl has really struggled. Uh, His bat is not there. He's showing the effects of a guy who did not play at all in the 2017 season. So early pulse on this is that Tappy is going to be your bench outfielder. Uh, He adds a speed dynamic that Bud Black really likes. He can bat him in the leadoff role. Uh, David Dahl needs to get his baseball legs back under him, and so unless he sees a massive, massive turnaround, I think we can safely pencil David Dahl in for Albuquerque, at least to start the season uh, as he finds his swing and comes back from those numerous injuries that sidelined him in 2017. That leaves us with the number four spot, and there's three guys, in my opinion, that are going to be jockeying for this position. Uh, The first one is Sean O'Malley. And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, it probably shouldn't. Uh, Sean O'Malley is a a journeyman player uh, who has a total of 124 Major League Baseball games to his credit. Uh, He's got 
268 at-bats. The last of those at the major league level came in 2016 for Seattle. That was kind of his uh, quote-unquote breakthrough year, uh, although he didn't make it stick. He played in 89 games for the Mariners that year. Hit two, uh, hit 229, not a great batting average, uh, but he's a utility guy uh, that the Rockies have brought in as a non-roster invite. Uh, the thing that's interesting about Sean O'Malley, and, and if you'd like to learn more about Sean O'Malley, I encourage you to go to MLB.com and check out the piece that Owen Perkins wrote about him. Uh, really solid piece there, kind of uh, getting you to know uh, Sean O'Malley and this this non-roster invite that they've brought in, hoping to compete for a role. The thing that's interesting to me about Sean O'Malley is that he's a switch hitter, so that's valuable because you've got a guy who can who can hit from either side of the plate. It creates a potential matchup problem for uh, for managers when they're trying to decide what moves to make with their bullpen. You can kind of play some mind games there. Um, he's been in and out of the major leagues since 2014 and put up some pretty solid minor league numbers over the course of his career. Um, nothing really, you know, to to you know go crazy over. Uh, but over the course of his minor league season. Uh, has a career batting average of 262, a very serviceable minor league uh, player over the course of his 12 years there. He's only 30 years old, so uh, still, you know, relatively young, old from from the standpoint of he hasn't made his major league stay uh, or major league presence felt uh, still yet at 30. Uh, but you know, a, a, a passable utility guy to be put on the bench in place of that Alexi Amarista role that has been lost. The other two guys that are in competition, to me, are, are, are an interesting case because one of them can give you both infield and outfield play, and that's Jordan Patterson, uh, who's a lefty-lefty uh, who can play both first base and outfield for you. Uh, the trick with first base is you also have Ian Desmond who can play first base for you. You also have Gerardo Parra, who in a total pinch could play first base for you. But the Rockies are really high on Jordan Patterson. Uh, they like him at 26 years old, uh, just turned 26 on February 12th, so uh, happy belated birthday there, Jordan. Uh, the Rockies have a lot of expectations for Jordan Patterson. They think he can be a guy who contributes uh, to this team in the not-too-distant future, potentially after Gerardo Parra's contract is up in a few years, uh, depending on how things shake out with Charlie Blackman and David Dahl. Uh, also, he can contribute at first base, depending on how things go with Ryan McMahon. So I, I like Jordan Patterson. Uh, some Just some, you know, Real top-line things to look at. Um, he made uh, 19 uh, plate appearances last year for the Rockies. Um, nothing too, too major. He hit 444. Um, he had eight hits in his 19 at-bats. So uh, a very small sample size. In fact, that was uh, about the same size that Ryan McMahon had, and he hit infinitely better than Ryan McMahon, who, uh, as we've talked about before, struggled in his first stint. Uh, but they, they see big long-term things. Uh, for Ryan McMahon, as well as Jordan Patterson. And so he's out there competing. He's he's looked pretty strong so far. Uh, I've got a piece up on milehighsports.com uh, about how these younger guys are really kind of forcing the Rockies to continue to keep an eye on them and not make a move with the position players out in the field. So I like what Jordan Patterson uh, is doing right now. He's definitely pressing for that utility spot. I think he, to me, uh, between he and O'Malley, uh, there's there's the long-term play with Patterson that the Rockies have versus the short-term, who's the guy that could be most beneficial for us right now in this very moment. The other person in the mix for that one is a guy, Mike Talkman, who is strictly an outfielder, a lefty-lefty. Uh, but the thing with Mike Talkman is he's kind of past that point of being a prospect. I mean, he absolutely raked last year 
in AAA. It's a matter of there's just not enough space on the big league roster for a guy like Mike Talkman. Um, in 2018 spring training, hitting 308 so far. Uh, it it blows my mind that the Rockies were only able to find 27 at bats for him, 32 plate appearances last year. Um, in 31 games that he appeared. Uh, Talkman is a guy who, if there wasn't that logjam in the outfield, I think would have, have seen a really significant amount of playing time last year for the Rockies. Uh, he's a guy they want to have in that mix, but at some point the clock is going to run out on, on Mike Talkman because you know as he gets up there at 27 years old, uh, at some point you just can't live at the AAA level hitting cleanup and just crushing minor league pitchers. So some really, really interesting things uh, to, to look at with that fourth bench role for the Rockies. Uh, David, as we, as we start to whittle down this roster, which of those guys jumps out at you and says, this is the guy I think Bud Black is going gonna, is gonna to lean on? To me, I would have to say it would be Jordan Patterson just because his ability to play first base and outfield. Talkman, he can only play outfield. So if if something happens to Ryan McMahon, which hopefully it doesn't because, like you said, he's looking great early in spring training for a lot of good things about him. But you never know what could happen in the sport of baseball. Patterson, first base and outfield. To me, first base and outfield are the biggest question marks, if there are any, on the Rockies because Arenado's third. LeMahieu's second, and pitching, he's catching, he's clearly not doing that. So I think first base outfield, that would be the place you want the reserve player. Yeah, I think the nice part about Patterson is, yeah, he can give you that extra glove on the infield. The Rockies have so much versatility with Walters, with Valeka already on that bench. You know, Bud Black talked a, a few days ago uh, about this, and we'll have a piece upcoming in Mile High Sports Magazine in the April baseball preview from Pencils Robinson about this. But one of the things that he said is part of the way to make this Rockies roster, at least right now, is to be is to not be a specialist, is to be versatile, to have a lot of things that you can do. And, and that's true for Jordan Patterson is that he can do that. As a lefty, obviously, you're limited. There's there's three positions on the field, four, I guess, really, if you count catcher, uh, that, that you just simply cannot play. You're you're stuck with the outfield or first base positions as a left-hander. And so I, I think Patterson, to me, uh, you know, from... From a homegrown standpoint, the Rockies obviously would love to see that be Patterson because he's a guy that they drafted. Uh, but from a pure utility standpoint, uh, I wonder if they don't give a long, hard look to O'Malley uh, just because, again, he's got that switch hitting uh, capability. He plays both infield and outfield, and as a switch hitter and right-handed thrower, he can give you any position on the field uh, that you might need of him. So so there's a little bit of added versatility, but to me the question is, is Sean O'Malley too much like Pat Valeka? Is he too similar other than the fact that he's a switch hitter? Um, if, if, the, if the goal is to have a left-handed bat, well, you get that with Jordan Patterson. So... Really interesting to see how that number four spot plays out in uh, in the coming weeks. Obviously, we'll know a lot more based on what Ryan McMahon continues to do. And it, hey, if Jordan Patterson stays hot and and starts to stake a claim for that first base role, no reason to believe that he couldn't go after that. And now Ryan McMahon could potentially move into that number four utility role for the Rockies because he is a guy who's as a right hander can play multiple infield positions for you as well. So lots of options there for the Rockies. Uh, that thing one that we talked about. Who could they uh, acquire? To me, it's a starting pitcher. Uh, I would love to see them make an aggressive move for Alex Cobb or Lance Lynn uh, before somebody else grabs either one of those guys. Don't think that it's necessarily going to happen uh, right right away uh, because the Rockies do have so much confidence in those young arms. But boy, one of those two guys, I think, would really help shore up that rotation and give them some uh, established 
veteran presence in the rotation that might be a little bit lacking at this moment. That thing number two, we talked about who's going to be number four on the bench. Uh, leader in the clubhouse for me is Jordan Patterson. I think he's the guy, uh, at least in the early going, uh, because he's a homegrown talent. Rockies drafted him uh, because he can play both the infield and the outfield and because he presents a left-handed bat. I think he's there. Uh, but we're going to see how these things play out over the next couple of weeks as spring training ramps up. Big thank you again to David Johnson. David, tell us again where we can find the show and where we can find you on social media. Find me on social media on Twitter at David J Sports, David Johnson on Facebook, Sports Destiny on Facebook, my co-host Jake, Jake Meyer Radio on Twitter. I think it's the same on Instagram too for both of us. But Sports Destiny Radio, Mile High Sports, every Saturday from 1 to 3. Don't miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you do miss it, great news is it's going to be available Podcasts. on podcast. Check us out uh, on Audio Boom or just go to milehighsports.com and check out the podcasts there. Big thank you to David Johnson. And again, a big thank you to Tap 14, our sponsors of the Blake Street Regulars podcast. I am Casey Light. I will be headed down to 1920 Blake Street in the very, very near future. Just one half block from Coors Field, not only to check out all of the baseball action as it begins to ramp up, uh, but also because March Madness is right around the corner. Uh, great spot to watch games. We've been down there for the tournament for the last couple of years and a ton of fun down there. Check them out at 1920 Blake Street. Try those 70 Colorado beers on tap. Try those 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Not all at once, obviously, but make sure that you're back there and, and a regular to test out all of those awesome flavors while you're there. Dive into their amazing American Alpine Fair that is locally sourced, rotates seasonally, and do it all from the terrific rooftop patio. Uh, today is the perfect day to get out there and check out the rooftop patio at Tap 14. We will be back on Monday for another edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. We'll be looking at the weekend action, any new developments from Cactus League play, and we'll probably be checking in with Doug Ottawa, who was down in Scottsdale over the last several days. Uh, had a chance to talk to a lot of pitchers, a lot of coaches. Uh, we're going dive deep and heavy into Rockies pitching with Doug Ottawa on Monday. Make sure to check us out. I'm Casey Light. This has been the Blake Street Regulars podcast for Mile High Sports.